Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. Giants reporter back from New England where it was 600 degrees, or at least it felt like it, and I was just sweating tequila the whole time on Wednesday, just profusely sweating. It was ridiculously, seriously, it felt like it was uh, over 100 degrees uh, out there. I mean, it was so hot. But we saw some football with the Giants and Patriots on the same field. And this episode is going to be mostly about my observations off that, right? And there was definitely some things to be concerned about. And then there were some positives to take away. So you, you kind of have both ends of the spectrum there. I'm not going to panic about the offense like some might be doing based on what they've seen in preseason or joint practices so far. And I'll get to that in a little bit. I'm also going to go over the injured brigade, the offensive injured brigade, all the weapons that the Giants have that are basically in the race now against the clock to see if they're going to be ready and on the field week one. So I'm going to rank those guys, the Saquons, Kenny Galladay's, Kadarius Tony's, and tell you who I think is the most likely to be on the field for week one. And who was the least likely? The Giants have five key guys there. Five, which is a lot, by the way. A handful of guys. Weapons. And I'll start with that because this is one of the reasons. Now, the offense was pretty bad the first day. They struggled. At one point, Joe Judge even huddled up the entire offense, unhappy with what was going on on Wednesday. And they were a mess. They were just getting dominated up front. Uh, Daniel Jones wasn't having a great day. Guys just weren't getting open. I mean, I saw more throwaways in, in practice drills this week from the Giants than I ever usually see. But here's why I'm not going to panic. I know people are not confident in Jason Garrett and his offense and his ability to be creative, and I get it. I don't like that there's not this huge vertical aspect to it. It seems very horizontal. And by that, I mean, like, a lot of stuff works towards the sideline. But at the same time, if the Giants throw out the offense that was on the field, player-wise, personnel-wise, talent-wise, that was on the field, especially Thursday when Evan Ingram wasn't out there because he was working on the side field with the injured guys, but he seems to be fine. But the offense they threw out on the field that day, like, if that's the offense that they're going to be putting on the field in the regular season, yeah, they're going to be bad. I mean, at tight end, it's Caden Smith and... Nakia Griffin-Stewart, Jake Hausman, uh, Dante Pettis is running a ton of, you know, first-team reps at wide receiver, C.J. Board. Like, if these are the guys the Giants are putting out there alongside, obviously, Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton for the most part, but if that's the group with Devontae Booker at running back, because Saquon got into some live drills. We'll get to that in a little bit, but that was until Thursday. Like, if, and with Devontae Booker out there, like, that, the Giants' offense was ranked, that's – almost what they were throwing out there last year, pretty much. And they were the 31st-ranked offense. So they're not all of a sudden magically going to be that much better if that's the talent level. But you add Saquon Barkley, you add Kenny Galladay to that mix, and all of a sudden you have a different-looking offense. Plus, it's they're not getting super creative here. You're running staples. You're running basic plays. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones seems to be being extra cautious. I don't know if they're pounding that into his head or what, but look, I've been around too long to be overreactive to preseason results or practice, strict practice results. Like you see it all the time. 
guys go out there, they have, you know, in camp, they just drift through or they're not very good. And then the regular season comes along and boom, all of a sudden they're great. Now, when you have areas like the Giants offensive line, which has been struggling now for years, there is a little different because they're not, they don't magically just get better. Like a group that was not great last year, not great, I'm probably being generous, in the regular season last year. So let's start out with Daniel Jones. Okay. Uh, was he Mac Jones the first day? Absolutely not. Got outplayed by the, the Patriots rookie, but Mac Jones also looked great that day, by the way. Giants defense did not. Uh, they bounced back. I mean, Logan Ryan even said, like, he doesn't remember playing that poorly in a long time. Personally, he's talking about. Blake Martinez said he played poorly. And it was clear the Giants defense did not was not happy with the way it performed. And they, you know what they've been really talking about? The new talking point is they have to come out faster. I'm talking defensively. That's the talking point the Giants have now after joint practices with the Browns and the Patriots. No, I don't know what that really means. I think those are one of those stupid cliches. You know, we need to come out faster. Uh, we need to be uh, better with our keys and uh, you know study more, playbook more. I mean, these are just generalizations people use, but this is what they're talking about. Why would they not come out ready to play in joint practices in preseason in the first place? I don't know. And all of a sudden you turn it on later? I don't know. If that's if that ultimately is a thing, you better hope it doesn't show its rear its ugly head in the in the regular season because that's that's a problem with the people in the room and the group as a whole. But I don't think the Giants are in that category. I, I really don't. So especially after we saw that unit perform well last season. But Daniel Jones on the other side of the ball, was up and down. I did see on Thursday, you saw him do a lot of running. A lot of those zone reads, which I thought was interesting. Like, I wonder, did Bill Belichick say, hey, we want to see the zone read. Could you make sure you run a bunch of those? Or was that just the Giants trying to really work on that? Because we saw it with plenty of success last season. Now, I've been long proponent. I want Daniel Jones, and I still didn't see enough of this personally. First of all, there's just not enough downfield throws that's his strength i want to see him throw the ball downfield hopefully they're gonna open it up once the season comes but you know we're in a wait and see approach with that so i'm not gonna make any generalizations but daniel jones i want to see him move and then throw on the run like that is where quarterbacks do serious the top top quarterbacks in today's game tom brady he's the goat he's a little different you know he's a unicorn but everybody else like patrick mahomes Aaron Rodgers, like you name the quarterback, even Justin Herbert. These guys are just, they move to throw, not move to run. With Jones, when he starts moving, it's like, it's almost always move to run. And again, that's what I saw on the field in New England. So you hope that at some point, maybe if the talent level is better around him in regards to the weapons, which it's not right now, then he has people to throw to. Once he gets on the move. But in the meantime, it looks like he never has anybody there. He's then moving and running and then running. And, you know, it's a serviceable game. But to me, A, I don't want my quarterback doing that too often because that's how he takes a lot of hits and get injured. And B, I just think those broken plays, those scramble plays where your receivers are working, to get over, those could be big, big plays. And the Giants really haven't had any of those the last couple of years. So. Up and down for Daniel Jones. Nothing I'm panicking about at this point. Uh, but you always just want to see a little bit more with him. And so far, just hasn't been there. 
we'll, we'll see what happens. He's going to play in the preseason week three. That's this Sunday. I'm taping this on a Friday right now. And then we got the regular season and we'll ultimately a big year for him. We know that. The offensive line, very inconsistent throughout the week in New England. And the Patriots' defensive line, I mean, there was one drive that was a disaster on Thursday where the offensive line, it was like sack, sack, holes. And I believe the guilty parties were Andrew Thomas, I'm not sure about the second sack, and then Matt Parrott, I believe, was on the hold. Uh, but there was just too many plays early in that practice where the line struggled. Now, they got better as they went along. It seems to be a trend with them as well, which at least they're able to sort of clean it up later on. But when they do face good defensive fronts, and I'm not sure if the Patriots, have, how good their defensive front is going to be. I don't know. We're going to talk to Mike Reese, our Patriots guy, in a little bit. He'll, he'll give us some insight on that. But uh, no Shane Lemieux. Giants left him back in New Jersey. This is an interesting one to me. He's got a knee problem, from what I understand. And this could be something that needs to be managed long-term here throughout this season. So I'm not sure what they're going to be able to get at Shane Lemieux. Starting to be a little concerned. And then a left guard, what are you going to stay there? Kenny Wiggins still. Kenny Wiggins still running with the first team. Ted Larson starting to slide in a little bit, but still, I don't know. Those are not the options you want to be starting at guard, especially when your other guard is Will Hernandez, who's been okay. See ups and downs from him. But Matt Parrott, uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him the last few weeks. So I don't think it's an absolute lock, even though Matt Parrott's getting all the reps, that he ends up ultimately as a starter at right tackle. I would not be surprised. I think I mentioned this before. And Nate Solder looks looked pretty good. I mean, from when I watched Nate Solder, he was winning a lot of reps out there when he was out there. And he returned this week against the Patriots. He looked pretty good. I would put that at about 50-50 of who starts at right tackle right now. And I know you see every day and you see Matt Parrott at right tackle with the first team. You're like, oh, he's going to start. He's getting all the reps. Well, he needs the reps to, for the Giants to see what they have. And Nate Solder doesn't need as many reps because he's a veteran in this league. You, you kind of know what he is as long as he's healthy. And back in shape, which it seems he is. He played without incident this week, so you feel a little better about that. Then he might end up being that right tackle, at least to start the season. Saquon saw him on Thursday. He missed Wednesday. He had to deal with a family matter, um, non-health related, nothing to do with his rehab. So nothing to be concerned with there. And then he comes back, and he looks pretty good. I mean, somebody who a cameraman who obviously hasn't seen Saquon Barkley cameraman from up in New England. He was talking to me about how he thought he looked and because, you know, he, and it's interesting because he hadn't, hadn't seen Saquon and he was keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on him for fantasy purposes in part, but he's like, yeah, he looks like he's a guy. I, I can't even tell that he was injured. Like he's not doing a ton. He's not really. And he admitted this. He's not really letting loose. They had the opportunity to, you know, try to make that cut or that spin or that turn into high gear and outrun a, a defender. We're not at that spot yet, which is why week one's still up in the air. But all signs so far are positive on Saquon, and that's really all you could hope for at this point. You just want him to come back, get in shape, don't have any setbacks, and then the Giants will ultimately make a decision on him week one. The secondary struggled a little bit. Xavier McKinney right there to make a lot of plays, but he didn't make them. 
And he's a guy I view as a playmaker back there, like maybe one of their best actual playmakers. So uh, I'm not really sure what to make of that at this point, but just sort of a wait and see, just file it in the back of my head just to kind of see where he is. Uh, Rodarius Williams with a Dory Jackson spraining his ankle. It's not supposed to be serious, but I did see him jogging today on Friday uh, uh, talking about Dory Jackson, and he was limping. So if he doesn't play, Rodarius Williams, to me, is the guy who is likely to take his spot at this point. Like, I don't see them playing Keon Crossan as a cornerback. That's not going to happen. Julian Love doesn't really play on the outside. If anything, he's a nickel slash safety. Uh, maybe they would play him, but you don't really want to gar have him match up man-to-man with guys. Him and James Bradbury want those two guys to run man against a, a good team with some speedy receivers. That could be troubling. Uh, so I think Radarius Williams right now is that guy. I don't know if the Giants have great depth behind him. That's the problem. That's probably why they they end up starting a sixth-round rookie. So it'll be interesting because, remember, they just traded Isaac Yadam who, by the way, I hear is has a decent shot to make the Green Bay squad. But uh, Josh Jackson, the, the cornerback that got in return, he hasn't been on the field. He's been injured since he got here, which is kind of strange, by the way. Strange turn of events on that one. Uh, also, I have a 53-man prediction coming out over the weekend. Two fullbacks, the Giants. I really think that's the way this is going to end up. The Giants might have two fullbacks. On their roster, Eli Penny and Cullen Gillespie. I mean, some teams have zero fullbacks to Giants because of Joe Judge's emphasis on special teams. Two fullbacks. Cornerback, don't be surprised to see Madre Harper either. Playing some first-team special on special teams units. I know people don't love him as a cornerback, but hey, he's playing some key special team units. Special teams is a priority around here, especially with Joe Judge. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. One last thing, uh, the Giants' edge rushers, kind of quiet. That pass rush, especially that first day against the Patriots, it's still one of the biggest concerns on this team. Aziz Ojolari was limited throughout the week in New England, so he didn't do much. Lorenzo Carter didn't see a ton from him. Shane Zimmon, as you see some good snaps from I, to, to me, he is... A player, and you know what? You've seen him even rush on the interior, sort of like that NASCAR look where he's coming down the middle. To me, that's his role, sort of like uh, pass rush specialist, use all different spots. I like the way he bends best out of all, all their guys, to be honest with you. But now is he a significant player, an every-down starter? I probably don't see that. Haven't seen that. Lorenzo Carter, to me, just the guy out there on the field. Uh I felt that now for several years. I'm not buying. I'm not buying the hype on Lorenzo Carter, especially off an Achilles injury, until I see it. Like, there's no doubt. About it. Let me see. It. I need to see him doing. Giants do two positions they're really short on: tight ends. Kyle Rudolph came back this week, started practicing, but he's still not there yet. Uh, so they're pretty thin at tight end, especially the second Evan Ingram wasn't practicing with them. All of a sudden, you got, you know, Jake Houseman and Nakia Griffin Stewart getting key reps you're like what is going on here interior offensive line expect the Giants to address it especially with Shane Lemieux's health now in in jeopardy uh the Giants are going to address that interior offensive line like Ted Larson's not their ultimate answer telling you Kenny Wiggins if they start him will be a disaster 
I can't see that going well based on what I've seen so far. So, with that being said, let's take a look at the injured brigade. And I will rank for you now the chances from what I've seen, what I believe, the likelihood that these guys are available week one. And then first, let me give you the list. Kadarius Tony, the rookie first-round pick. Kenny Galladay, the huge free agent acquisition. Kyle Rudolph, tight end, another big free agent acquisition. Saquon Barkley coming off injury, we all know, number two overall pick. And then John Ross. Crapshoot, deep threat, injury history. Guess what? He has a hamstring injury. For now, a couple weeks in camp. So, the likelihood, I'm ranking them most likely to play week one to least likely. I'm going to go with number one. I'm putting Kenny Galladay. Most likely to play in week one. The reason I say that is because he seems to be on on pace, on plan. The plan has been since he got injured, okay, we're going to be safe with him. Be cautious. There's no reason to risk re-injuring the hamstring, and we'll ramp him up two weeks before the opener. So he seems to be on schedule. Don't see him doing a ton, but enough where I'm like, okay, I could see that still happening unless he has a setback. I mean, it's still in the realm of possibilities. But for now... I have Galladay at one. Kyle Rudolph came back this week. Now, last week I was down on Rudolph being ready. I didn't think it was possible. The more I've thought about it, I kind of flipped on this one. A, he's back. He's still not doing much. But Joe Judge kind of hinted at it in his press conference Friday. It's a little different when you're talking about a veteran like Kyle Rudolph. Like, they could take him, you know, have him on the field less in practice, no training camp. He's a veteran. You put him in, he's placed a limited amount of snaps anyway, and you have him used for a specific purpose. So I could see him getting 20 snaps and being ready for week one. You don't need him to play 40, 50 snaps and be a big contributor. Maybe you just need him help uh, as a blocker. He could run a few routes here or there. You could use his skill, his skill set sporadically in pieces. So to me, he's number two. Number three is Saquon. Do I think Saquon believes he's ready? And if the Giants really wanted to, they can ramp him up and be ready? Yes. But I've also kind of scaled back. I think last week I was close to 70%, I I think, on whether I thought he would play week one. I'm back down to now around 50. And not because of anything I've seen, just because I think the Giants' desire remains to take this really slowly with him. And there's that week two game. That's just an awkward turnaround. So if you play Saquon week one and he comes back and he's ready for week one, then they has to, you have to get him ready after like, what, a three-day break for the second game? And I don't think the Giants want to put him out there and run him for like 10 or 15 plays. Like, I feel like they don't want to put him out on the field till they're confident he could run 30 plays and, and get 10 or 15 touches at least. So I think... The target date almost makes sense the more I think about it for him to be back week three. So that's why I have him third on the list. Four is John Ross, still injured, hamstring, injury history. He's been out a couple weeks. Just can't be super confident in John Ross coming back and playing at this point. And number five, the rookie first-round pick, Kadarius Tony. I mean, I don't even see him working out with the injured players during practice. I see him on the field during practice. And he's getting the mental reps and he's standing by coaches and other guys and other players and he's in their ears. But 
I mean, I haven't seen him do much physically of anything. So it's hard to imagine you could do so little. I mean, he's not practicing. He's not even running hard or on the sideline. How can I envision him being back for week one in two weeks? I have a hard time envisioning him right now making a real significant impact in the early part of the season at all. Seriously, at all. I mean, that's where I stand on Kadarius Tony and the injured brigade. Now let's get to our guest, Mike Reese. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's bring in my partner for this this week that we just went through, uh, Mike Reese. He's the he's a legend, by the way. He's 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 the goat of uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporters. Covers the Patriots just about as well as anybody can. Mike, it's been a pleasure spending time with you, uh, and welcome. We well, thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. I don't know how accurate they are, um, but I will say that was a lot of fun that we had the last couple of days watching practice together, sort of hanging out, doing some TV. And um, I really enjoyed it. And hey, Mike, I, I, if I've learned anything, like if you're on like a, a podcast radio platform and, you know, you, I've been in enough interviews where I understand you hype up the guest, even if it's hyperbole. <laughs> right. And it makes you, and cause I've been in the, in your shoes and you hear people and they, they, they say these things about you flowery things, you know, they're not true, but, the ego still likes them. So you go, you just go and there's no limits. You just, you pump it up it. as hard as you can. That's I love it. And and the best Jordan is when it happens and it's like, uh, and then they'll mispronounce your name, which I'm sure you get. Or I get. <laughs> they might say, he does a great job covering the Patriots. Let's go to Mike Rice. <laughs> You're like, hey, this guy just met, this guy just looked up my bio like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Raynan. <laughs> oh yeah. Ranan, Renan, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. we, we got them all. We got them all. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Hey, so the reason we want you on this podcast, even though you're the Patriots guy and yeah. it, I wanted to see what you came away thinking, having watched those two teams practice this past week, fresh eyes are always uh, a unique perspective that maybe if you're here every day, you kind of get numb to certain things. So, you leave those joint practices two days, Wednesday, Thursday. What were your impressions? Well, I agree with you uh, because honestly, Jordan, vice versa, like it's great to hear like your perspective. Like, hey, here's what I've seen. 17 practices of Mac Jones, Cam Newton. And then they sort of get your perspective. It was really right. helpful for me. Um, but, you know, specific to the Giants, you know, I think probably the, the top storyline for me was that on Wednesday, the defense really struggled and, and made Mac Jones and the offense of the Patriots look as good as I had seen it probably throughout the preseason. And I thought the next day, Thursday, the Giants defense came back and uh, was, was much better. And 
think Logan Ryan specifically even mentioned that, you know, sort of yeah, Wednesday sure. was one of the worst days he had been part of. And then, you know, Logan got Mac on an interception. And I thought the defense for the Giants was a lot more competitive. And, and you might even say won the day um, on Thursday. Well, Mike, that's even why what Mac Jones did was more impressive than you might even realize on Wednesday. Because this is a good Giants defense. They were a top 10 unit last year. They're hoping to be even better. Their secondary is is good. Like That's a really good secondary. I mean, Dory Jackson, he was in there for most of that practice. He rolled his ankle at the end. And that's like the piece when you're – they have five quality def, – really quality defensive yeah. backs. And the Patriots offense really had their way with them. So, I mean, it was a big-time performance. And I think it, that shouldn't be taken lightly – on, on the Mac Jones front there as well. No question. And, you know, the other part, Jordan, just like with the Giants for me, like there was a lot of interest that I had in just watching Coach Judge because, right. you know, I had obviously watched him closely here with the Patriots and you watch him run the special teams periods when he's in that role. So you could see his command in that setting right and he did the ride wide receivers for one year um but i really wanted to sort of watch him and and how he watched a practice in his role as a head coach because that's something i had never seen before so um to me it looks like a a well-run operation with a lot of similarities not the same thing but a lot of similarities to what i would see regularly with bill belichick and the patriots because you brought it up i want to go let's do a little quick Joe Judge recollection from the Patriots perspective. Did he always curse so much? Oh my goodness. Oh, he was great. And, and he so fast, Jordan. That's what, right? That was like, the next I question. Mean, Did he always talk so fast, even in press conference? And was he so verbose? Like when he gives an answer, I yeah. mean it could be it could be like 500, 700 words, easy for one answer, a thousand words, depending on what it is, if you get him going. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of fire. And I think that's part of what makes him great. I mean, it's almost it just the um, he knows just one sort of uh, speed, if you will, like it's like the pedal is to the floor. Right. Um, and that's great. So passionate about the game. And so that part, no doubt, you know, and, and he's passed it on, I would say, to his assistant that he brought to the Patriots. Cam Acord, who's a special teams coordinator, um, in a lot of ways, it, it's like watching Joe, even though Joe's no longer with the Patriots. So when did you notice Joe Judge, right? He gets hired in 2012. Uh, he's an assistant at that point, right? To uh, yeah. Scotty O. Scotty O, right? Scotty O'Brien was a long time. Very, very, very successful career. Yeah. Did you even notice Judge was there first? Did it take a few years to, to realize that this guy, you know, is going to grow or when did, when did, take me through that progression. Definitely right, right away, Jordan. I think part of the reason you noticed it right away is first where he was coming from, right? Like, so the Alabama pipeline with Nick Saban. So you take note of it, you know, really the first day is on the field. And then, you know, you can hear him at practice, even though he might've been the, the number two at the time in terms of, the coach, like they'll split up their special team stuff. So, you know, he might be overworking on the side with the gunners, you know, and you can hear him. So you can't help but take notice of him. And I would say one of the neat parts was sort of watching the progression of him going from the number two to the number one. 
and then getting a chance to talk to him on a weekly basis because uh, you know how the assistant coaches had to be available. And he always struck me with his level of detail. Like uh, you'd ask him a question and, okay. and one of them that just stands out to me, Jordan, right? Like was like, I would ask him, let's say something about the Packers. Like they were about to play the Packers and I might mention something and he would answer what I asked, but then he would add on to the answer with something that he wanted to say. So like, <laughs> you know, they are the best surprise onside kick team in the league. And I'm thinking to myself, what does that mean? Like, and he's like, you know, he would explain it like a surprise onside kick team is, is one that will, will try one in the second quarter. You know what I mean? Like, and, and he's right. got some detail of what makes them the most surprise onside kick team. And I was always so impressed with that level of detail. That's definitely something that you just noticed being around him. Mean, he talked about there was like a fumble last year against Washington and the two teams bumbled around. It's one of those like, that they put the circus music and like 10 guys try to pick up and they kick the ball around. And and uh, he there was a video of him explaining what like everybody did wrong. And the way he goes into detail about how guys are supposed to pick up fumbles and do it near the sideline and do have the right technique to pick up fumbles. You're like, oh, my God. The level of detail for something that you just view as you go pick up a fumble, you try and jump on this oddly shaped ball that you don't, you know, like you don't know where it's going to bounce, but no, he had this whole thing about this is how you're supposed to pick up a football, do it near the sideline, contort your body. And you're like, whoa, they are looking at things way beyond levels that I would ever even think of. So, and, and Jordan, just to add to that, like, like when you were just talking about that, it, it probably, and going on the theme of like fresh eyes, right? Like someone who hasn't been there every day, but looking at the giants, I thought the, maybe one of the most important things that I saw from the giants over the last call it 15 months was that video of Joe in the slipping, you know, with the wet, feet you know the hose the wet ball and the players were chanting what were they chanting like judge 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 yeah. and that he got down and actually did the 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 drill because joe is a task master in my opinion like he's a hard guy like he's no nonsense but the ability to have a little bit of that i don't would we call it self-depreciation or like yeah. hey i i can have a little fun too, even though I'm grinding you guys. Like I just looked at that as he's really, relatable. really, he's very really relatable, relatable really he important. Makes himself relatable, which is right, Jordan. And yeah. important though. Like, isn't that important? Oh, it, absolutely. I mean, especially yeah. when you look at some of these other Belichick guys, you know, former assistants, yes. that appears to be where some of them, you know, went awry. Uh, mm -hmm. that they almost lack in self-confidence and he has that confidence and then to ability to relate to everybody else. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Before we make this all about Joe judge and let, let's get back to the joint yeah. practices for a minute. Yeah. I'm curious. So you look at Daniel Jones yeah. against that Patriots defense. What did you see? All right. So Jordan, I saw someone who likes to run. And he ran more this week than he has at any point in training camp for sure. Yeah. And, and it made me wonder, you know, is he not trusting what he's seeing all the time or does he need to hang in there a little bit more? 
and give his pass catchers a chance. And then I thought to myself, you know, that might be a harsh analysis because he didn't have a lot of his pass catchers, right? Yeah. Um, out at the practice. So that was the first thing that I thought of. And then I would say bigger picture. Um, and I will relate this to the Patriots. So I have a high level of confidence that Mac Jones is, is going to work out to some acceptable to more than acceptable degree because of the coaching offensively, the system, Josh McDaniels, the way they bring quarterbacks along, like, mm-hmm. and, and Mac, what, what Mac is, I think it's a great fit. So, and I think we saw that on Wednesday, I was trying to get a better read of what Jason Garrett and this giant system is doing to bring Daniel along. And to be honest, Jordan, I didn't get a great feel for that. Um, right. And it just made me maybe put in my notebook, like, you know, what, what do they want to be and how are they helping him and accentuating his strengths? And it's something I'll be watching for, you know, as the season progresses from a giant's perspective. That is a good, really good point to think about because to Daniel Jones, one of his strengths, he throws a, he has a good arm and he throws a good deep ball. I mean, all the numbers support that too. But then when you look at the offense, it's a lot of like short underneath stuff. They were dumping the ball left and right. They really don't push the ball down the field that open. Instead of vertical, they're kind of moving horizontal a lot. Yeah. So it's definitely something to watch moving forward. But you've been in this spot and, and for a long time covering the Patriots in the NFL. And I have too covering you know, the Eagles and the, now the Giants. I don't like to get crazy about the schematics and what you see on offense. Because like we just said, I mean, he didn't have Saquon Barkley. He didn't have Kenny Galladay. Yeah. He didn't have Kyle Rudolph. He didn't have Kadarius Tony. The second day, he didn't have Evan Ingram. I mean, he was throwing to guys like Nakia Griffin-Stewart, who I'm sure you have no idea in the world who Nakia Griffin-Stewart is. And, I, and you shouldn't, and I don't expect you to. But that's kind of where they were at. And also, sometimes you, you see in training camp, they're trying to like just do basics and keep it really vanilla, even in practice. and. And then you get to the season and you're like, this is all, you know, it's all of a sudden the doors opened up and you see a completely different thing. So, and I don't like to jump to any overarching conclusions in that regard. And and I think that's really, really smart. And, and that's I've been why burned I was, before. That's why too, you know, you learn well, by getting burned in that, that case. To- totally. And, and how about this? And so, cause I think if I had to make a projection as to what it would look like when it matters mm-hmm. for, for the giants, it it's, it's, you know, the power running game with, with, with the deep shots. Right. And, and maybe you're not, not necessarily going to do that. I mean, Saquon was in a red Jersey yesterday or the other day. Right. So so that that's sort of the thought. And I guess the other thing, Jordan, is I would say, how's that offensive line coming together to provide that foundation for Daniel Jones? I think that's critical. And I thought the Patriots front seemed like it had some success against what the Giants were putting out there. And I don't I don't know. What do you think? Well, I was think just you, about to yeah. ask you. I was yeah. actually just that was my I was where I was going to go next because. I was, I want to know from you, like, how good is this Patriots front? Is it a front that's going to dominate a lot of teams or is that a red flag for the giants that they made them probably look even better than maybe they are? So, so I think this, this front is 
probably has the potential to dominate Jordan. No one's talking about it because all the focus is on the quarterbacks. Um, but like they got Matt Judon from the Ravens, like really good pass rusher and has actually really impressed me with the way he just goes about practicing and sort of full tilt, full time. Josh Uche, a second year player who looked out of great, Michigan. Looked great, Jordan. And like Matt Perry yeah, yesterday. So I mean he like no one's talking about him because he really didn't do anything as a rookie. Part of that was health. Part of that was position fit, all that stuff. That's a tough position so, to be overly successful at as a rookie and make a huge impact as like an edge rusher. It's a, it is difficult. It, most guys don't make that instant transition. Great point. I think so. Just to answer your question, I do think this front has a chance to be one of the better ones in the league. So that, you know, graded on a curve, if you will, like the giants, Offensive line got a good look at probably one of the better or best groups that they'll see this year. Right. Well, they got they're going to have th- those tests immediately because they play the Broncos in Week One, and then Washington in Week Two. And those two teams are two teams that are expected to have very strong defenses. So this was yeah. probably a good test for them. All right. So we're going to finish on this because this is really. I mean, first of all, I watch Mike Reese, and he's doing TV nonstop because the whole cam slash, and this is probably the pinnacle of the story right this week, right now, but the whole cam and Mac Jones thing this week, every day is like the number one lead story on sports center and uh, get up and all, all our ESPN shows. So cam Newton, does he start your, your opinion, just <laughs> gauging Mike, Mike Reese's opinion. And I think I know the answer to this yeah. is cam Newton, the week one starter at this point for the Patriots. So as we talk right now, like, honestly, if you, it depends on the day, my, right. my answer might, might vary. Like if you had asked me after that Wednesday practice, Jordan, right. I would have said, I would have said, how do they not turn to Mac? I mean, he was that good. And then, you know, yesterday cam comes back after missing three straight practices on, you know, and he's like first through the drills leads a touchdown drive. And there's a part of me, 20 yards that, a chunk right away, man. Now they've dropped right, right down. The field. And, and there's a part of me, Jordan, that says, I, I think in Bill Belichick's perfect world, he probably doesn't throw Mac to the wolves per se, like right away, but it's also hard to deny what we're seeing out in the practice field. Like Mac is running the Patriot system the way it used to be run when Tom was here, Tom Brady. And, you know, but to your point, and that's such a good point is like still the preseason. Like we haven't seen, you know, teams start to game plan that much against you. Like, so I if, so to answer it without sitting on the fence, I think Bill would probably, my guess would be, he's saying, I'd rather wait. So I think the odds tilt in Cam's favor, but I don't think it's necessarily just decisive. Yeah, just playing the odds. Yeah, playing the, play odds. the odds. The odds tell me it's Cam. So by week six, would Mike Reese bet that Mac Jones is the quarterback by then? Your, life is, on the, your life is on the line. Which way do you lean? I probably would. And I think part of that's the injury consideration, Jordan, like what's Cam's health look like after, you know, call it week six, let's say he's run, you know, 20 read options at that point, you know, like Mm -hmm. what's it look like? I don't know. You know, so um, something I do believe it's definitely when not if on Mac and, and I would be surprised if it's not at some point there in this season. Well, it was certainly a fun week of practice and a lot of fun hanging out with you as well and getting your perspective real quick. Actually, let's finish on this. Yeah. 
I, and I was thinking about this when I was down there because his name was brought up, uh, you know, when the helicopter landed, somebody joked that uh, in, in the field next to the practice field that, that it was Eli Manning that was coming in the helicopter. Yeah. And uh, it made me think, what is the is that does that feeling still exist? Like, is Eli Manning still looked at that way down there that like, you know, he's there that that one guy that they just couldn't crack that he's their arch rival. Does he still have that hatred there? Uh, hatred's in, in not necessarily the right word but yeah point. you know i think it's a little less about eli and probably more about like the defense you know like because that that two really? the 2007 That's one interesting yeah jordan the 2007 one like that one that one hurt you know like and that was really more about the defense um you know making life tough on an offense that had set records All right so that was offense, right more about the stray hands the tucks you know and of course that i think at one point on one of the mic'd up stuff i think tom brady it says like trying to throw through like a forest right like with the trees so i would say more like defense tom coughlin like the vision of him like ah oh, you know like his teams don't back down you know like right, right, right. sometimes no. Sometimes you felt like teams lost before they even got off the bus, Jordan. You know, like never the Giants, right? Well, never the Giants. Tom Coughlin, they came the Giants. in week. They came in week seventeen and fought them. You know, clawed and fought them hard, right? One of my favorite regular season games ever, um, because of that. I, if I remember, the Giants had already locked up the number five seed. Yeah, they had, were playing for nothing. Yeah, nothing to play Pride. for. But but Tom Coughlin was like. You know, the, and the way he said it, I remember he's like, yeah. no, we're playing, we're playing to win. Exactly. And I was like, Oh, and, and like, if, if you remember Jordan, that game wasn't going to be on, um, Probably. I think it was on like NFL network and they weren't going to be able to see it in, you know, New England or something. And so they ended up making a special exemption to get it on like regular TV here in New England. And I just remember the kickoff of that game. It felt like a Super Bowl kickoff because everyone had their phones, you know, taking the pictures and. Mm-hmm. Oof, I was, I was at, I was in Atlantic city, I believe for a 30th birthday dinner. I don't know. Random, random, random comment by me right there, but that just came. I love out. it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike, we appreciate it, man. We'll do this again. Hopefully, you know, this will be an annual tradition because that's what it sounds like is these joint practices are going to be an every year thing going on. Definitely. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, Jordan. And I look forward, look forward to seeing you at the game. Appreciate it, Mike. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's wrap this up with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is the part of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, and cover the NFL in general. Pat Leonard, actually, you know, he, he sings his jingle to me all the time, and I think we got to make it happen. Scope and my producer, take note. Got to have a little Jordan on the beat jingle, like, Jordan on the beat, do-do. Jordan on the beat. Doo-doo. So I, th- I think I think we're going to have to make something like that happen. We'll have to figure out the logistics and, you know, come through. So anyway, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what it was like uh, attending a joint practice. I will say this about the Patriots. They do a good job welcoming me in uh, visiting media. You know, nice after practice um, meals, like catered meals. One of them was actually... Steak, which, I mean, the steak was a little dry. It wasn't great. Uh, clam chowder, cookies, brownies. Next day, it's wings. Like, quality work by the Patriots staff right there. The Patriots uh, Gillette Stadium, I guess it is. Uh, inside Gillette Stadium. Whoever runs their, their cafeteria, kind of, I guess, in there. But Or the food was catered out. I'm not really sure. But still, good job. I mean, they send you all, all these. Uh, they, they add you to the email list for the week. They send you all the Patriots updates, who's talking, when, the logistics. Just a solid job. They were, they're really on top of it. They get to stand there on the side, pretty close to the field, so it's not bad, you know, set back about 10 or 15 yards, which is nice. You're in front of, directly in front of one field, the other field's to your right. I mean, it was, like I said before, it was scorching, though. I mean, it felt over 100 degrees. It was mid-90s, but it felt over 100. I mean, I was just, the second day I couldn't stop sweating. I'm not even a big sweater. But anyway, you get to watch practice. What they do do, I will say this, is you're only allowed to tape the early part of practice, and it cuts off real quick on you. So that's why I don't think you saw a ton of video from the joint practices out there. But, I mean, the joint practices, you got to see a lot of stuff. I mean, there were a lot of live drills, just constant. Between those two teams. I mean, and they were running like drives against each other, like 20, 20 play drives at times. So, and it wasn't like, all right, the third team's in and a bunch of guys you don't usually, you could kind of tune out. No, no, no. It was like almost all first team snaps. So good week, good experience. I enjoyed it. I, I, I like joint practices. I like to see how other teams work. This way you could kind of compare it to them. Uh, it just, it's a good it's a good experience. We stayed at the uh, the hotel that's right outside of Gillette Stadium on the first night. Second night, I met up with a friend in Providence. Had a good had a, had a few cocktails and spent the whole next day sweating them off, basically. And then because Saquon Barkley returned, you I did a lot of TV the following day because people are interested in Saquon Barkley. He gets into live drills first time eight reps, the TV shows want to know about it, which is understandable. But here's the point I was getting to through all this. Join practices. First night, I'm getting into Providence. I hit a lot of traffic. I'm getting up to New England, and I'm on the way there. I stop in Providence to get something to eat. I was like, you know what? Let me go to the, the team hotel I know the Giants are staying at. I'll eat at the bar there. I'll talk to some people that I'm, you know, and make those relationships. And that's the point in the story here. The key point is if that to me is one of the most important points 
of these kind of trips and experiences. You want to be able to interact and relate on a human personal level with people in the organization, because that those are the people that you're relying on to know what's going on and to be honest with you and just for information in general. So my recommendation to anybody trying to be a reporter and ever doing this, and Peter King actually told me this once. I, I was trying to get back in as an NFL B writer after I was, you know, did something else for a couple of years. And I said, okay, I'm going to talk to a bunch of people that I know and, and get advice. And one of the people was Peter King. And his thing was always be there and make sure you talk to like five different people every day. Make sure you, you get, get in touch with her, reach out to five different people, just so you're always refreshing your contacts kind of. And that's really the purpose of going even to eat at the team hotel or, you know, sitting in the lobby for a few minutes. You just have conversations, natural human conversations with people. It makes it easier to be able to relate and interact with them in the future. So if you're ever in this business, remember that those things matter. Be around as much as humanly possible. And that's not just when it's football, normal situations. That's almost even more in normal everyday settings. And that's, to me, one of the keys why I think I'm fairly successful at what I do. It's because I can relate to people and those relationships that I've made in situations and settings like that have helped me along the way. So that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. By the time we talk next time, we'll have a roster pretty much set and we'll be looking at the regular season opener right in front of our eyes. So with that being said, you know how to reach me. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email, TikTok. I'm Jordan Ronan. You listen to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.